Hey, Jim, how are you doing tonight? I am great. How are you guys doing? Always fantastic. Um, I, I am here. I am glad to be talking to you and Ryan, though, tonight. Uh, You're listening to Board Game Games Season 4, Episode 6, as we talk with Jim Dietz of the Dietz Foundation about family, board games, and life in general. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore the world of tabletop games. So if people don't know, this is Jim Dietz from the Dietz Foundation. And uh, Jim is not new to tabletop gaming of either type, whether role-playing or board games. Uh, He has uh, also been a store owner, if I understand that correctly. But currently, the Dietz Foundation is the only 501c3 foundation uh, for making board games in, in the United States. Um, Actually, so, in the world, technically, I guess it'd be the world, but is it, is it, it's all okay. good. Yeah, I mean, because other countries don't really do 501c3s, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the only charity in that regard. There, there are a lot of board game companies that don't make money and don't have profits, but that's, that's intentional for us. Right. So, so uh, with that, how did you come to the, the place that you decided to do that type of organizational structure? Um, uh, I, I know you had Jolly Roger games before, and, and like I said, you owned a game store. What made you think this is the way I want to continue my life uh, in, in tabletop gaming? Um, well, I ran Jolly Roger, and that was through about 2015, 2016, 2016. Yeah. And at that point, we had um, kids here that were getting ready for college. And we were trying to figure out how to, to pay for college for the kids. And I realized that there's not enough plasma to do that in my body. And uh, right about that point in time, went out to Origins and uh, ran into the people, um, ran into somebody who was looking to buy a game company. Turns out that company he was representing was Ultra Pro. And um, Ultra Pro wound up buying Jolly Roger. And employed me for a couple of years. And um, that was the end of Jolly Roger. And so I spent a couple of years here um, just coaching since, since I was a college volleyball coach for about 20 years. And um, with, with my players, I always told them that they like to complain. 18 and 19-year-olds love to complain. It, it's a constitutional right. And um, so I would always tell them, instead of complaining why don't you figure out a way to be part of the solution? Hmm. And I I kind of forced them to do that. The problem is that I realized I was starting to complain a lot and I wasn't really doing much to be part of the solution, in my opinion. And I felt kind of hypocritical. So we have that. Then one day I am driving to work and I start going through the math of game production in the amount of money that you make per game um, as a small company. And then I applied it. My profit margin is Jolly Roger, which is much smaller than, than big companies like say fantasy flight Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, Matajo in France or anything. And then I realized how much with that money being made that if I had had a Spiel des Charis winner that, that sold that many copies I could have endowed mm, probably about 5,000 scholarships for kids to go to college to, to pay the tuition for that number of kids. And I was like, 
man, that's a lot of money. And I'm not begrudging anybody making money, having private jets or anything like that, unless they're religious leaders. Um, in which case, um, I was like, you know what, maybe I, I was getting the itch to, to do something again besides coach. And that's where the foundation came from, that I would start another game company, but this time go through all the nonprofit paperwork and certification so that when the games would be made, I would take the profits and start using them for educational purposes. And that started uh, corporate paperwork is July 24th, 2019 is when everything started. Started with the first Kickstarter and then COVID pooped down the world's pants and um, kind of delayed everything. So, but that's, that's really how it started. It was, it's like the amount of money that could be made from an established game company. Um, I, I, I think you can make a lot of difference in the world. Um, and going way off on this, the, the foundation no, 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 is still fine. small. Um, but we start off, we've been able to um, donate clothes to a university's college of education so that um, underprivileged college students looking to interview to become teachers had business clothing to wear, mm. that, that they could wear sports coats and, you know, business dresses um, because you can't show up in a T-shirt and shorts and get a job Yeah. Um, outside of gaming. Um, and then... We've donated books to libraries and schools. We've donated games to schools and community organizations. Um, most recently, uh, worked with Ultra Pro. They, they donated a bunch of games to the foundation. We distributed those, uh, probably about $15,000 worth of games. Um, and then worked with the Choose Company, which everybody's like, who? What? And you guys have never heard of Choose Company, have you? I, I don't believe so. No. Yeah. But if I remind you of your childhood and talk to you about the Choose Your Own Adventure books, you okay. remember those, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I was, that's, that's the Choose Company. So okay. I was able to work yeah. with them that they agreed to donate the books if I would pay the postage. And we were able to get um, Choose Your Own Adventure collections to about, I mean, like, 20, 25 books to about 20 different schools in rural areas and impoverished areas um, to help with, with their education, including a couple of reading specialists with kids that um, they don't like reading. Okay, I actually got it around here. Yeah, I've actually, doesn't make good. I've, I've actually got it sitting here on the wall and you can't see it from there um, in the glow from my, my desk. This is like a thank you note from one of the teachers because uh, she has like 15 kids that hate reading. I want to read this sucks. This sucks. And then they looked at it and they read a couple pages and then it was like, Hey, Mrs. Copenhaver, can I take this book with me? And mm -hmm. then they came back like the next day. Do you have others? And by the end of the semester, these kids who despise books were reading two and three books a week. Mm -hmm. And they had never liked books before and just thought these were the just the ultimate. And now all of a sudden, these are kids who are opening to reading. I, I just love that. That's that's yeah, made that's my fantastic. day. Yeah. Not I really mean, gaming related. It's reading, no, but you know. No, no, that, that's great. I, I mean, 
uh, reading can make a, a, a huge I was, difference. In I was in a learning disabled class for reading and uh, comic books and choose your own adventure books is what got me out. And then RPGs put me into like a college oh. reading level in high school. And, and that's what I was going to say is, is a lot of people will, will uh, poo-poo uh, RPGs and comic books and things like that for kids, even though that's what will get them excited and actually will get them to a higher reading level. Um, so, yeah, anything that gets kids reading and then gets them excited, that, that's fantastic. Um, and I mean, a Choose Your Own yep. Adventure is kind of like a personal game, too. So we're, we're, keep, we're keeping it gaming related. Um, so how, how do you pick the games that, that, that you're going to be publishing as a nonprofit. I know you have a board. Uh, I, I, do, do they make uh, decisions like with you, alongside you, um, or is this you get to pick and you work with, with designers? How, how does that work for, for a, a, a company that, that isn't doing things in a traditional way like you are? Um. With the foundation, the board is there to make sure I do things the right way. In terms of selecting games to publish, that's ultimately my call. Um, I run it past the board and I talk to them and I ask for feedback, but but the everyday decisions are mine. Um, where it gets to be big, um, bigger decisions, once you start talking, I'm going to call it four digits worth of money, mm -hmm. Um that's, that's where the board comes in. So the foundation off of, um, off of supercharged made enough money that I could buy an insurance policy on myself, like key man insurance. Um, basically so that if I die, the foundation gets a lot of money to, to carry on its work. Yeah. If, yeah. if I don't die, uh, 20 years from now, that money comes back. Right. So before I purchased it, I, um, I talked to the board and got their approval and they're like, yeah, if you, if, if, if the money's there, that's great. Um, I try and talk to, you know, they get like monthly or quarterly updates on what the status is on everything. Um, I take their feedback on stuff with games. So the, the next one coming out is free at last on the civil rights movement. Right. And, you know, take their feedback on, have, you know, have you, is the history correct? It, are, do we have people involved that are experts on this? He, is the game, you know, have, have you considered how this is going to fit into the classroom setting? Can it fit into the classroom? Is it meant for kids? What are the extra? It's easy to say a game is educational and it's for education, but what resources are you putting into it to truly make it valuable to a teacher? Have you used a state's um, educational standards and you know what their curriculum says you've got to discuss points a b and c is that being covered by the game because if if the if the game covers one two and three but the state says you need a b and c no matter how awesome the game is no matter how educational it is that teacher is not going to be able to use it right so the board kind of keeps all of that in place um with their feedback yeah um but day to day yeah it's on me yeah i, I mean, i'm just thinking like looking at these games uh like supercharged is a very different topic than 1979 revolution in iran is a very 
somewhat, you know, actually I can see the connection between that and Free at Last, but then you get to like uh, Literal Commander, which that's by uh, Sebastian Bay, right? Who teaches uh, work stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- there's a big difference Correct. just between those three there. Um, what, ha- what What's tying those together other than they caught your interest? Um, Sebastian's Littoral Commander is educational. It was, it was created okay. yeah. for professional military education. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me in a lot of ways. Well, for, first off, his prototypes that he were making, I mean, handcrafted wood pieces, cards and all that. I did a presentation for the Georgetown um, University War Game Society a couple of years ago. Okay. As part of it, I went into production of games and um, I, was t- I was talking to Sebastian afterwards, like, yeah, I've done this, but it's really expensive to produce. And I was like, dude, if you actually produce this at a factory, you can, you can lower the costs by, you know, thousands of dollars in a big print run. He's like, are you really, are you sure? And so we kind of grew that way when we discussed it, but it's, edu- it's directly educational. It's meant to teach what goes into operational level stuff within the military. That's great. It works for the military. Cool. But when you take it out of the military and you put it into our hands as gamers and society as large, not a lot of people really understand what goes into modern warfare. They go and see Top Gun Maverick and think this is cool. They play Call of Duty special ops and go, this is the way it is. You know, fire your 30 round clip, hit B, wait the second for it to reload. I'm good. And it doesn't quite work that way. So that Littoral Commander is meant to show, in a lot of ways, it shows the difference between World War II and a modern setting, as much as anything. It's about the geography of it. Um, and what I also like about it is that it's, it's a, a sandbox type game in okay. terms of imagination and creativity, if you're interested. The game's going to come with scenarios but you don't have to use them. You can decide what if China loses to the Philippines in the World Cup and that provokes um, riots in the Philippines. And Mm -hmm. so the Chinese send forces in to help. Great, you can set that up within the game. Um, So it's it's fulfilling a professional in a more, I'll call it graduate school level sort of education. Mm-hmm. Um, and a specialized military interest. And that the whole series of those games would do that. Supercharged is a much more social game and meant yeah. to be friendly for younger kids because the basis of it is you're moving cars around a map. Nobody's ever moving more than like six spaces at a time. And it's really about probability as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, on, the, on the foundation website, We've got a free download of a PDF that's got resources for learning about racing in the 1920s, but it's, 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 it's educating at a more simple level. Um, if, if, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, as, as you look for things in the future though, is it just going to be, I, I happen to be here and I enjoyed this experience though. I, like what's going to continue to, to draw uh, your catalog together, I it, guess is what it's, I'm asking. It's a couple, 
there, there are a couple different ways. Some of it is, yeah, is this really cool? And does it, do I think it's educational? I just signed a contract today um, for, for a game that's about sea life and, um, and how sh- sea life in dealing with um, troubles caused by man, like trash in the sea. Mm-hmm. It's actually aimed for kids like ages eight to 12. Mm-hmm. What I, and it, it's really cool. And the plans for that are going to make it a really spiffy looking game. From an adult standpoint, I would tell you, yeah, if we were to sit down and play this, we would play it once and set it to the side because it's got that, know what's going on, etc. But with the kids and the interaction, it's a game that as a parent, you can sit down and you aren't going to mind playing because it's cool because you're introducing your kids to games. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it, it's it's not quite like magic, but it's it's a way to do it. And with the education side, of it. If, if you're watching this, just say no. Drugs, um, magic, it's all the same. Just say no. Um, I, I learned that from Nancy Reagan. No, you got to use that magic as an investment strategy, man. You know, buy those cards, crack some packs, and then, um, and then, you know, magic and Yu Gi Oh, baby. That's 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 how I'm that's how I'm funding my retirement. Well, Um, yeah, we're bringing it right around back to the beginning. If first you took care of getting your kids through college, now you got to take care of your retirement. Um, okay, Jim, no, no, if no, you no, just no, bought no, some black quite... lotuses in the 90s, you would have yeah. you could have sent them to college and you could have um had a two sports cars. Yeah, oh, no, exactly. Now, see, ultimately, Chris, you're wrong. My retirement's not my responsibility to take care of right now. I can spend as much money as I have and more, it's my children's responsibility to, to take care of me in retirement. They've, they've been told that 10 years from now, I'm done with everything. You're supporting me. And that I have certain standards that I want to live up to. I, I need to have my car. I got to have my house with air conditioning and, you know, and, and a. No downsizing, you know, like no empty nest. Those rooms are going to be for hobbies, not for you guys. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Bingo. I, and I'm also demanding grandchildren that I have that, uh, that can play games with. That, that, that's where we, we bring in the educational. You have to be able to do something with the grandchildren. Right. <laughs> it's um, coaching. One of the things with volleyball is that they tell you grow the game to get more people interested. Mm-hmm. Trying to get gamers a lot of times, certain aspects of gaming, they, don't, they just want to play with their own people. Well, fine. Then I'm just going to have my kids have kids, and I'm going to grow gaming by just the process of biology. Like the quiverful movement, but for gaming. There you um, go. So, exactly. <laughs> what are you enjoying playing right now? You, you, you talked about this game that you uh, just signed. It sounds like you're excited about that for kids, but what are you enjoying uh, right now? Um, you know, what? once the pandemic hit, our, our, our kids are adults now. And um, my wife had never actually played a, a serious war game before. And her knowledge of history. In school, she was stuck with basketball and football coaches as social studies teachers. So basically, her knowledge of the world is limited in that regard. Um, Not her fault. Just the fact that our society goes, oh, we need basketball coaches. We need football coaches. They can never do any harm in a social studies class. Put them there. So, And then it gets to be basketball season. 
and they whip up like their like projector screens with their list of notes to copy down while they're sitting with a VCR doing their their match scouting. Um, having taught high school I, and, and, and all that, I know that's what goes on with basketball and football coaches. Um, I Not at our it. school because we were trash. So, um, but um, I don't know where I was. Anyway, so so with my wife, we started off with um, a house divided by the old GDW game with yeah. the Civil yeah, War yeah. Yeah. and started exploring the Civil War and then moved to like the old victory games, the Civil War. Always trying to also show different um, game mechanics and how people house divided and Civil War are the same subject, yeah. but they approach it completely differently. Um, then we went on to like world war one with paths of glory so that she could play a card driven game. Um, we've done the East front with, um, the old Avalon Hill Russian campaign. Cause that's just, I get a turn, you get a turn. Right. And then we did East front with the, with the, uh, the blocks that stand up from Columbia games. And she liked the, it's fascinating. She liked that because the blocks are very tactile. And when the front lines move, it's very pretty to look at on a, on a very nice game board, huh. um, okay. which was interesting. That was this spring and in February and March, which, of course, in the real world is when Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she notices, she's like, hey, you know, sweetie, because she calls me sweetie. You guys can't. That's that's for her. Um Unless you guys have cash, in which case, yes, make the donation, then you can call me sweetie. Um, so she's like, I got a question. I'm like, what? She's like, okay, Russia is preparing to invade, is invading the Ukraine, but it's March. And in all these games, nobody does anything in Eastern Europe because it's always mud and nobody goes anywhere. Yep. Is that, and I'm like, yeah, no, exactly. And she's like, so why are they doing this? Because it's not going to go well. And I was like, there are a whole bunch of people that are professionals wondering the same question. Mm-hmm. So what I was, it was exciting. And then as names started being mentioned in the news, because we'd played these games, she's like, that's outside of Kiev, isn't it? Or, hey, that's, that's down by Sevastopol. So that from playing the games, these games of history, when she saw the news, she was able to start relating that to a better understanding of world events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, we can take that from anyone other than my wife. And I think you can learn geography that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can understand military and war stuff that way, how economics work th- through a lot of this stuff. Um, so now if, if we're talking favorite games, um, the ones that we play to really be social with one another, mm-hmm. um, Dominion, okay. and um, really like Elder Sign, okay, um, which is also cool because Richard's a great guy, um, you know. And, and, and so we'll pull those out and uh, play those. If if the kids are visiting, we wind up playing uh, Code Words, okay, um, which. Yeah, that's just a trip and a half with with the kids. Cool. Um, so, so you're you're saying your wife actually did play some games with you before, but she became more interested in, in the historical and war games during during the pandemic and, and being willing to go through that. Yeah, we never yeah. Um, until the pandemic. 
gaming was kind of treated as something Jim did with his friends. Uh -huh. um, and after the pandemic, it was kind of, you know, once, once you're sitting in a house, there is only so many times you can walk the dogs. There yeah. are only so many times you can sit for two hours in front of a television or a computer screen. Eventually you're probably going to have to talk to one another. Um, yeah. after like 20, you know, after nearly 30 years of marriage, I, I thought that was a brilliant observation. We have to talk to one another. Um, yeah. Yeah. and so we also did a lot of baking, which was good too. That was tasty. Um, yeah. but we started sitting down and playing games more often rather than just social ones. And, um, we explored some role playing and how, you know, how that works as, well, what would you do in this situation? Well, but I've never been a superhero. Mm -hmm. well, okay, what would you do if you had the power of Batman or Thor or whatever? What would you do if we dropped you into the movie Aliens? Um, or or uh, you were suddenly a detective in 1920. And she liked that because her, she, she did a lot of theater when she was younger. Oh, okay. And yeah. when, you can, when you can combine that with like theater and kind of just like, yeah, it's improv. It's, it's acting out. Only we're going to resolve stuff with the dice. It's not predetermined by a script. Yeah, she wound up liking it, and so we've just uh, we've tried to play games pretty pretty regularly um, the last two and a half years. It's also been good at a personal level because um, you get old enough and your kids leave. Well, this is going to go deep, guys. I'm really sorry for this. If if you're listening to this out there, you can go get a coke right now. I'm going to talk some life stuff. Grab some coke. You know, heck, go to McDonald's and get some fries and then come back. Um, you start off as like husband and wife. Oh, you guys are so great together. And then you have kids. And then it then it starts being your Eric's mom, Eric's dad. And you were defined as so-and-so's mom or dad until they're all out of the house. And life in our nation seems to revolve completely around doing whatever you think your kids' activity should be. And then all of a sudden they're gone. And for a lot of people, it's like you're living with a stranger again. And what do you do? And so when the kids all wound up out of the house, it was a weird experience. We hadn't, it's, it hasn't happened this century. So it's been really nice to find multiple activities that we like doing together. Yeah. Where we can refine us without having the kids as part of that defining experience. Absolutely. So if uh, for the people out there, you can now turn the mute back, turn, turn the mute. Let's yeah. get the hand. mute can go no, back. Yeah, off. Uh, uh, we get, we get pretty heavy on here. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, we, you gotta, you gotta like, uh, put I, in the I work. Mean, we, we've talked about, Lots of things. Uh, <laughs> Got to put, put in the work for that relationship. I, I have youngins, so, and yeah, it's definitely, you're right. Like, I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like after they move out, but I assume it will be much like that, where it's like, especially as they get older, then you're spending more time with their activities. But we're also... We just got a trampoline and a pool, like a, a cheap pool and a cheap trampoline, and we just try to keep it all at the yard, you know? It passed so fast. I, I, I don't know what happened. My daughter yesterday was five years old. And now she's off on her own in the big city. 
with 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 a job where she's actually making a difference in what she does. She's an adult. And I'm just like, you were that tall. And now you're like this tall and you're on your own. And oh, my God, what happened? Because you, you still see that little kid in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad at the way my kids have become really cool adults. Yeah. Um, as well. Yeah, it's 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 weird. This aging thing. Yeah. I'm not I'm, yeah. I'll let you know how I think about it in about 20 years. Does uh does time speed up when you have kids? Um like because I remember my 20s taking a while and my 30s now. I'll be finishing up 30 this year. And uh, and my daughter, my daughter was born 10 days after I turned 30. So, and I'm pretty confident my 30s have been about two years. Um, day, what the, the saying I heard that it that feels right was uh, days last forever, years pass in a minute. Um, and that there, I think that's the way it seems that there are certain days especially with kids where it's just like you, you can't sell them on eBay. There are no circuses anymore. Um, I, I, I homeschool my kids. So I, I, I totally understand that saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and <laughs> like, the, the real key is yeah. just make sure. And, and this is an important safety tip again, for everybody else watching your kids are eventually going to turn 13 and 14. They're going to be junior high age. It is important during those two years to not kill them. No matter how desperately <laughs> my, the situation calls for it, let them live. My 14-year-old, my uh, for the most part, although the other day he like made a pile with pillows to hide his pizza plates. Other than that, he's pretty good. But my 10-year-old, <laughs> I, I love him to pieces, but he has gone through this thing like if you tell him to do something he falls down like you asked him to build a wall uh or you know a tunnel across the atlantic and he falls down and asks like it is like as soon as he turned 10 that for whatever reason Fl- but, flops like a belgian soccer player yeah yeah like, like, like i'm like dude i just just wanted you to put your socks down the laundry chute that, that's it yep. The, the other my daughter when she was 13 she got to go to her first dance and and if anybody has to great that dress was way too short in my opinion as a dad okay so she asked what i thought and i said you look wonderful but that dress is too short so she got mad okay great that got my wife mad wife gets mad she comes to me you can't say that you can't say that my bad my bad. Won't do it again. First, no operating manual on 13 year olds. So <laughs> second date comes along it, and, and she's there and I ignored the dress. And instead, sweetie, it is so amazing to see you slowly becoming a beautiful young woman. I am proud of the person you're becoming. I, I mean, it seriously because my daughter yeah, is yeah. kind of amazing. Yeah. She got mad. I was making fun at her. So I'm making fun of her and she does all this crap and, and then they go away and my wife gets mad. Like, you can't be saying that. Okay, cool. So the third dance comes along. She comes out, dad, I'm going to look, I'm, I'm headed to the dance. Okay. See ya. <laughs> I didn't say anything. And then I got in trouble for not saying anything. Hashtag WTC. 
what the crap. Oh, my God. You can't win with 13 and 14-year-olds. But eventually she turned 15 and 16 and all that. And then we're, we're pretty good on everything. We just – that one two-year span where – yeah. Um, there you go. So <laughs> back to gaming because yeah. – the, the the parenting trip. I think all, all all three of us can get very sidetracked in different ways on that. Um, oh my! Uh, well, I can tell you where we left <laughs> off. Actually, no, I no, no. I, yeah, yeah. Do, I mean, do your do your girls like? Do your kids like any games? Uh, you said code names. Um, oh, uh, go ahead. Um, our two oldest really like games. Um, I played war games and stuff to teach history to my oldest son. Okay. So that um, in terms of the like, geek badge uh, accomplishment, we right. actually took the old Victory Games Vietnam 1965 to 1975, and we yep. played the full campaign of it. Wow. And it's, it's on Board Game Geek still. You can check. And got a nice note from the designer, which was weird. It's like, nobody's ever finished a campaign before and, and, and reported it. I was like, okay. But, but it was really enjoyable. Um, so we've done some big games that way, some old ones. Um, my daughter, uh, uh, what, what is it? Fury of Dracula. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Fury of Dracula. She loves Dominion. Um, she liked um, Civilization, the old Avalon Hill one. Um, so she, uh, she likes Wallenstein um, because she thinks the, uh, the tower that you drop the pieces down is just cooler than crap. So she's kind of a sucker for board games with cool components, uh-huh. but she's become enough of a gamer with her friends. She gets, um, she purchases a lot of those big group um, deduction games. Okay. Yeah. Or that the, you can play with groups of like eight to 10 people while you're drinking wine and beer and having um, a soiree or whatever. Okay. Um, so, um, but you had asked me about acquiring stuff for the foundation, and I didn't really yeah, answer yeah. that other than sharks. <laughs> um, the, yeah. the other one where I think the foundation has value is in a game like Free at Last mm-hmm. or the upcoming one. Because um, with, obviously, the foundation as a 501c3 can't really get involved in the politics of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, they, they tell you that's a bozo no-no. Um, civil rights is not political in that regard to me. That's an educational thing. That's a big part of American history. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to do that game um, is a good thing to me. And when we did it, there was some controversy. Oh, you can't do that. This isn't the subject for You can't do this as a game. That's not a good subject for a game. You're trivializing an important point in American history by turning it into a game. Okay, my answer to that would be, look at all the games about World War II, even if it's Axis and Allies. Mm-hmm. We're turning the invasion of D-Day into Roll 66, and whoever rolls higher wipes out the and takes off some poker chips or whatever. That's, if we're going to argue trivialization, that's covering. Um, so being able to do a game like Free at Last and do it in a way that gets the history correct and provides resources, that's where the foundation comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and Free at Last has the history right. And, and that was one we discussed with the board. 
Um, and because we've got representation of all sorts on the board. And there was some concern with it um, in an argument within the design that we want to think everything in civil rights was nice and clean with the civil rights movement and all of the groups, I'm going to call it a very Pollyanna and got along and it was all sunshine in the effort to end segregation. But the reality is they're human beings. And so there's a lot of ego involved and a lot of clashes between those groups. And really in 1960, 1961, that had a bad effect on the civil rights movement. You can't leave that out of a game if you're trying to truly teach. And so we were able to work that into the game. That's not something that's going to make it into the four paragraphs in a textbook. It, it's, it's, a, it's a game where we can go into stuff. Your high school history textbook is going to mention Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X. Topeka, uh, and let's, let's go Topeka, um, Brown versus Topeka Board of Education. Sure. That's, I think I just hit your, your social studies civil rights movement. Emmett Till. You know, maybe Emmett Till. Maybe, oh, depending well, on what state you, you get your history book in. Actually, that probably wasn't for my high school class. I might have just learned that separately. Free at last with the stuff we have in, all of the cards are about the local people, the, the individuals. And then the history book we include with it, all of the cards are numbered. So if you oh card number nine, you can look at card number nine and... It gives a it gives a little more in depth history right there, and so, some some of it is downright ugly. Um, the uh, motel owner that was only fined fifty dollars for throwing hydrochloric acid in a pool where they were doing a swim in. Yeah. Um, Jokes on him! It wasn't enough to cause any real harm. It was just completely disgusting. Um, the Florida sheriff who was acquitted of murder of a black prisoner because they could not identify which of the 400 bullets in the man was the sheriff's 400 bullets in a prisoner. And the, these things are countless And you know, you hear maybe about, Oh, Rosa Parks, you know, boss and that's it. Unless you have it all in front of you, you don't get the weight of what was going on. And I think it's a very, it's a, well, it's a great game. It, it's awesome. But if that game doesn't make you uncomfortable at some point with what you're learning, it's a failure. We, we, we failed. I don't think we failed, by the way. But, but if, if you're not, if you're completely comfortable with that, we blew it. I can tell you that like from the backers, from the, the, the crowdfunding and all that, um, the son-in-law of one of the people on one of the main cards ordered a copy um, because he's like, this is going to be incredible. And then about uh, it was right after the Gamma trade show. So about April, we got an order from somebody who's like, hey, can I order this and send it somewhere else? In my initial, I didn't say my initial smart was, you pay the money, I'll send it anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, sure, I just need to know who it's sending to and all that. 
Well, he's getting it for his 98-year-old grandfather, who was one of the leaders of the Mississippi voter registration movement, because they were talking about stuff, and somehow his grandfather heard about the game and got so excited that people would care about what he did to make a product about it, to make sure it wasn't forgotten. Right there, by God, we will get this game to him if I have to hand deliver it before that 98-year-old guy passes mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. So that's free at last. Yeah, That's kind of been training in terms of controversy for the next game we're going to put on Kickstarter uh, this fall. And that's called Until the Last Sun. And that's actually going to be about the Palestinian Intifada mm-hmm. and the, Pal- the first Pal- major Palestinian uprising against Israel. Um, and the designer brought it to me. We're in a couple forums together and we were talking and he took it to a different company. And that other company said, hey, it's, it's a good game, but no way, no how are we going to publish this because it's just going to alienate our customer base. Mm-hmm. And I'm a nonprofit customer base. Okay, great. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. If I see educational value in this, I'm willing to lose money to make sure this is done and it's out there and it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the next game. And it's another game that's going to make people uncomfortable because we all wind up the world not just the United States, the world has become a very binary place. You're either with us or you're against us. And there's no middle ground for discussion. I'm right. You're wrong. And so you have in this case, Oh, well, Israel must be the good guy in the game, which therefore means the Palestinians are the bad guys or the reverse. The Palestinians are the good guys. Therefore Israel is automatically totally the bad guys. And what the game really does is has it's got a good tension in there where you realize there are elements fighting for the right thing on both sides. And there are aspects of the situation that are preventing the good guys from coming together to win, uh, to create a win for everybody. It's not necessarily a zero sum game. And I, I think that's good. Um, so I'm really looking forward to getting that out there. I'm going to get hate mail for it. I got hate mail for free at last. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll get hate mail for this. But I think that's the other aspect of the foundation that I can cover topics and do stuff with them. Conservative, liberal, I don't really give a crap about that. I, I care about educating people on events that, that actually matter and get this out there where they, they can learn from it. And with, with the Palestinian game, what I told people at Origins was, you know, I, I don't care which side you like. So, uh, well, actually, no, it wasn't Palestinian. My bad. It's a game from um, Catastrophe um, on the Stonehenge. Sto- um, Stonewall Rides. Stonewall Uprising. Stonehenge. Sorry about that. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm helping with the campaign. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah. I talked with the Stonewall designer on Twitter because he's got another game. Um, on ancient Greece and the Theban bands, mm-hmm. which is related to gay history. Yep, the sacred um, band. Yep. It, which, which is, yes. it's, it's actually got really great game, great game mechanics. Mm-hmm. But 
Stonehenge, Stone, Stonehenge, Stonewall. So sorry, Stone. Okay. I was listening. I was listening to Spinal Tap yesterday, <laughs> and that's where that's coming from. So Stonehenge, where the demons dwell, where the banshees live, and they do live well. <laughs> if you haven't seen Spinal Tap out there and you're watching this, go watch it. Um, then you can come back and go, oh, because um, there's nothing like the two foot high Stonehenge. So with Stonewall, I was talking to people that the, the, the whole issue, again, of civil rights, that maybe, no, I don't believe in gay rights or whatever. Look, play the game. Games allow you to take it into your home, read it, look it, and play it in a, in a secure environment with your friends with yourself, where you can learn from it safely, where you can change your mind, where you can enhance, you can adapt, you, you can change your opinions and your viewpoints on stuff. Um, whether it's gay rights, civil rights, Palestine, U.S. Chinese relations, whatever it is, games can offer a way to learn in a secure way where you don't have to deal with that binary situation in our world of your views are automatically wrong. You can change and grow and learn. I'm, I'm kind of jealous Catastrophe got the Stonewall game because I, I, I think as a topic, it's really good. Once I started, I, oh, no, Catastrophe is all you're going to do. I was like, okay. Um, but I've, I've, I've enjoyed talking to the designer. Um, he, yeah. he was out uh, He was out at... Um, Gamma, and then he was at Origins again. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the game coming out. And that's, of course, Chris, where, where you're, you're like, you need to come on the show and talk to people, Jim. And so <laughs> now here we are. Yep, and that, that's, it. That, that's exactly it. Well, um, yeah, we, I, I guess we're almost almost done with our hour. So is there anything else that you want to talk about? I, I think this has been <coughs> some good discussion. Uh, no, it's a, it, I, it's up to you guys, man. I. I, I am happy to talk now. I can, I could filibuster the Senate. The, I am why well, they I have that automatic would. filibuster in the Senate. Because yeah, I'll I'll stand and I'll I'll keep you busy. Um, um not filibuster us, the Senate. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, the one thing I did want to ask about that we haven't really touched on at all, except that you, you mentioned that you you got to do some role playing games with your wife. Did you actually write some role playing stuff for yourself? Or I did. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, wrote two of them. Okay. Um, one with a guy named Doug. That was Parsec, which is a uh, a science fiction role playing game. Uh huh. Um, set a few hundred years in the future when we're out in the solar system, mm -hmm. and it it has a couple of relatively novel mechanisms in it for dealing with three D space combat. Is one. Okay. Um, you use D6s, and the one on the die is always the front of your ship, the six is the engines. And so you move the dice, and then if, if it's like this, you can sit there and go, oh, okay, so I'll just turn the one here and this, so you can keep track of three dimensions, which is each ship being a die. Huh, okay. It's explained. And the other one is within the game, I hate a lot of role-playing games where it's like, okay, a day passes, random encounter, random blah, blah, blah. Um we don't talk about the speed of spaceships in the game. There's no exact speed for rockets. Everything in the game takes place at the speed of plot. If you need to get from Earth to Mars in two days, 
you're on a ship that can get from Earth to Mars in two days. If you need that voyage to take two weeks, it takes two weeks. The plot supersedes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other one, and at some point I'd like to bring it back, uh, did a, a game called Swashbuckler, which okay. was set in the actual swashbuckling era. And that game was based on being able to reenact the Princess Bride. Okay. Um, and it. so when you build your character, you spend points to purchase various skills for sword fighting. Uh-huh. And you can like specialize in one skill. So all you do is hack or you can purchase all of the 30 skills and do everything. And whenever you do a skill, it was a skill card you'd play. It then lists on it everything you can do next. So if I take a wild lunge at you on my next my next action, all I can do is regain my balance. Um, okay. yeah, so yeah, yeah. in terms of, it's really a great game mechanic. Um, the most feedback I've got on it from people has actually been, hey, we took your system and we use it in our Star Wars game because yeah. it is so awesome for lightsaber duels. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, it's it's still up. I still get, it's on, um, I was going to say, oh my, because of yes, living in Illinois, I was going to just, the the violence in Chicago. I was going to say drive by RPG, yeah. and yeah. it's drive through RPG that has it. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, um, no, it's okay. This has been a heavy week. Uh, I, I mean, I think maybe that's where we'll end. Like, uh, I appreciate games. Uh, so, I appreciate games that that can both take us to historical places and fantasy places. But I'm beginning to to feel like the educational games are especially important because and you can't talk about politics but we can uh because there's language like crt is awful and people don't even know what that means and a game like free at last is not going to even be looked at in certain places and honestly get a uh, copy and send it to my kids school they'll love that (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, but, but, somebody uh, might no. Somebody might love that. There's, and then there's going to be a lot of parents in our school district that would be very hey, mad. Because, okay, Chris. Before you go, want to mind, no, let me interrupt. There. This is a free last thing. One of the things we did with it is one of the designers, Damon Stone, has a friend who's a hardcore gamer and a teacher, and they were able to break the entire system down into 45 minute scenarios, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that with with a with an easy setup. So that the game actually is specifically meant to be playable in a classroom, since most since most class periods are fifty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and, and I, I've seen that. And my only point, <laughs> I, I guess, I got a lot of things on my mind. I think, like we all do, and that's why you had your slip of the tongue. And this is where I was going to go: is that um, we? I think we do have to keep trying to make inroads with connecting with people. Uh, be, and even if that is, uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's hard, but even if that is trying to get somebody to play a game that they might be a little bit uncomfortable with at, at first, uh, because as long as bad information is out there, things are <laughs> things are going to stay bad and get worse for, for a little bit, um, and. I don't know. I don't know that. I, I don't know that there's any. There's obviously not one solution, but um, 
Well, as this industry, you know, there's a multi-pronged approach. Gaming has the ability to have narrative and teaching and challenging people. And, and I think it's, it is good. It is needed because I think people not being challenged has allowed a lot of this misinformation to thrive. I mean, we're talking about world war two a lot and some, uh, you know, and, and there's people who have, who don't believe that the travesties and tragedies of world war two are real and the yeah. same thing with yeah. uh, the civil rights movement. It's been yeah. completely whitewashed yeah. in some ways. And and people need to be challenged, you know, um, just well, like Mamie Till did when she challenged and, you know, society. Yeah. With that, I t- just World War II, some of it, this is now from American education. We mytho- was it myth- mythologize, mythologize a lot of our history. World War II, the United States wins World War II when we invade Europe at D-Day. And then the United States defeats Nazi Germany. We don't talk about in history books the 20 million Soviet dead, the the, the Polish resistance or anything like that, that ultimately in Europe, yeah, we helped, our bombing helped, but but the, the, the heavy lifting was done by the Soviet army. Right. We don't talk about that. Right. Um, and that's that's kind of it's an important thing. It's not taking I had somebody go, well, that's taking away from what America did. No, it's simply giving credit where credit belongs with what actually happened. Yeah. Um, for better and worse. Um, and you know, there we go. Yeah. So my I, I guess part of my point, and I don't know that I had a complete cogent thought, but I'm glad your games exist. I, I hope that it's part of the conversation that we get to share with people and uh, because information is important. Is uh, Free at Last already out to be bought? Or is it still in publishing? No. Um, I was hoping to have it done at the factory now. We got the proof and we had the proof at Origins and there were some defects in it. So, and serious enough, there was no way around it. Um, so they have a second proof that is on its way via DHL to me and expected next week for me to approve. So right now it looks like I will have it here in September is, is the current expected date. Um, it was very frustrating because if you saw the components, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, it just had real flaws that you couldn't have in the uh, game like misprinted dice like with the custom dice where it didn't have the symbols you need on the dice that's kind of bad um because you can't roll an x if there's no x on the dice might make the game either really easy or really hard really hard (laughs) um really hard um i don't know if this matters or if you'd let me if you're watching this and you've been moderately entertained or you're interested in the foundation um if you go to the foundation website, it's just deetsfoundation.org. There's a button to click if you want to donate to what we do. It is in our corporate bylaws. This is something that the board checks and makes sure of. Any money donated to the foundation, it goes straight to the cause. It goes straight to trying to fund scholarships and donations of game to help games get to schools, books to schools. None of that money goes towards producing games. None of it. Not a penny. Not a penny of that goes in my pocket for salary. 
It all goes to the cause. Um, and you would be surprised how little, how far you can get with little money. Um, so that um, even if all you can do is sit there and go, hey, you know what? I'll do like a $5 a gift a month thing. That's great. I was able to, um, one, of our, one of the people that does that, her name's Amanda. Um, she does $5 a month. After a year, had $60 from her. That wound up being enough for me to purchase like, um, I forget the company name. They're little, these little games for kids that they, they're like in boxes the size of gum wrappers, gum packages. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, and I can't remember the guy's name that uh, does them. They're, they're, they're cute games. They're great for kids. Yeah. I was able to purchase like 20 of those to get to an elementary school um, just because of that one person's donations that, you know, now each of those Perplexed. classrooms, yeah, it, it, it's like five classrooms. Now each of those classrooms has four different games to, that they can play for study hall and rewards and all that that weren't there before. $5 makes a difference. And really for you or me and all that, it's just don't stop at McDonald's once a month. Don't go to Starbucks if you've got a Starbucks nearby. It, if you if you feel like donating more, that's always great. But five dollars, I can do stuff with five dollars if you can spare it. Awesome, yeah. Th th uh, those games are are decent little games too. It's uh, it's perplexed, uh, Hugh, and uh, all the, all those ones. They're great for teaching kids like simple concepts and keeping them yep. on track. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. And that's I think games are a way moving forward to help kids. Mm -hmm. But but not not just learning stuff, but like you were just saying that like where, where we've got that disconnect, everybody's every kid in the world is sitting here doing this with their phone all the time, tapping mm -hmm. on it. And our interaction comes through this rather than sitting at a table with a game in front of us, a pizza to the side, talking to one another with one another rather than at one another through a phone. Or in this case, through like a Zoom conference. <laughs> yeah. So on that note, thank you so much, Jim. It Absolutely welcome. Delight to talk to you. Yeah, uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll catch you again soon. All right. You just listened to Board Again Games Season 4, Episode 6, as we talked with Jim Dietz of the Dietz Foundation about war games and historical games and what games he's playing with his wife and what he's doing with the foundation that is named after him. Thanks for listening as we continue to explore tabletop games. Happy gaming.